Hey, Double Shifters, it's Catherine. This is our audio newsletter, and it is called The Single Mom Who's Giving Me a Flutter of Hope About Childcare. Thanks so much for being a member and supporting my work, the Double Shift's work, with your membership. And I hope you're enjoying this benefit of audio newsletters, and we have more cool benefits coming. Childcare is infrastructure and should be funded robustly by the government. Because I believe this so deeply, I'm not usually wowed by splashy company launches or VC-backed solutions in childcare innovation. I get plenty of PR pitches about this. Because frankly, I don't think they're going to work when that investment money that's being thrown at it runs out. So it's unusual that I am bullish about this company called Otter. It's a new childcare company that matches employed parents with stay-at-home parents hyper-locally in their neighborhoods for childcare arrangements. It's different from care.com and other similar services in that it's not a marketplace to find care professionals. It's a parent-to-parent platform where caregivers take on caring for additional kids alongside their own. So rather than pitching itself as a replacement for regular full-time daycare centers, although I guess it is possible to use the service in that way, Otter is opening up a new market that excels in working around the margins of traditional childcare. So as we all know, flexibility is what so many working parents need and yet is so rarely systemically addressed. I mean, if you just think about how hard it is to find part-time care for babies and toddlers, before and after school options, weekend care, late and overnight care for shift workers, and all of those endless teacher work days and early release days. Otter's creative approach is the brainchild of Helen Mayer, who does not have the typical background of well-financed venture-backed CEOs. In 2018, Helen was a first-generation recent college grad who was getting her career off the ground when she started to notice she was gaining weight. A friend said it was because she was eating too much pizza, but on a hunch, she took a pregnancy test. It turned positive immediately. Helen described what happened next. She said, I walked into a doctor's office and about four hours later, a team of 10 doctors and nurses walked into the room. I had spent time on medical teams or shadowing circuits, and I knew when 10 people come into a room, it means you're the teaching moment. And so I had this moment of like, oh no, this is going to be a doozy. The resident told me she had two pieces of news. First, she said I was 29 weeks pregnant. 29 weeks pregnant. It literally is giving me chills just saying this. <laughs> Sorry, editorializing. I started crying, and then she said, it's a twin pregnancy. Okay, so you know, okay, so you all know I can't resist a good story like this, so I made Helen tell me all about this, and after I finish reading this newsletter that goes into all the details about Otter, I am including an excerpt from that part of the Q&A so you can hear some of the story in her own voice and our back and forth. I was shocked when I talked to her. The whole thing is really fun to listen to. So that will be at the end of the red part of the newsletter. Okay, so when the pandemic hit, Helen was working on her startup that focused on support for first-gen college students, but it went under in the face of pandemic upheavals. She was out of a job and the primary caregiver for her twin toddlers. 
During naps and her free time, she started working on setting up childcare swaps in her New York City neighborhood for essential workers. She quickly found that employed parents often didn't have the bandwidth and schedules to reciprocate the trades. So she quickly found that employed parents often didn't have the bandwidth and schedules to reciprocate the trades, but were more than willing to pay the families they connected with for childcare. So Helen worked on a solution. I turned around and called the stay-at-home parents and said, hey, you know, the person you were matched with would pay for the childcare that you're doing, and you could just do more hours and make some money. And a lot of them actually had questions. A lot of, a lot of the stay-at-home, a lot of the stay-at-home parents had questions about how this would impact their relationship with their kids. A lot of them responded with, like, I didn't become a stay-at-home parent to make money. So that was one school of thought, Helen said. And then the other school of thought was like, is this care that I'm providing worth paying for? And Helen says their work is valuable even if they didn't have monetary value attached to it. So there were two sort of psychological hurdles to get through in in creating this matching system. So in fall 2020, Helen opened up the platform in New York and Chicago and personally Personally, personally, she did this personally, matched 3,500 families for childcare, <laughs> resulting in $20 million worth of transactions. Wow. Okay, so I'm now quoting Helen here. Because I'm now a single mom myself, I think a lot about the stories that stuck with me were single moms who found themselves really struggling. One mom in particular was part of our first cohort of caregivers, and she stands out to me. She started providing care on Otter in the week of October 26 in 2020, and she called me the week of Thanksgiving and told me that she didn't think when she first started working as a caregiver, she was going to be able to make ends meet by Thanksgiving. She had been worried that she wasn't going to be able to feed her kids. And she called me from her kitchen where she was baking pies for her neighbors. And I think those moments really stand out because the idea is that when you give a parent enough money, not just to feed their the idea is that when you give a the idea is that when you give a parent enough money not just to feed their family but also often they'll turn around and feed their community and nurture their community. So Helen modestly explains that she got venture investment to grow otter. I point out to her that very few 20-something moms who are first-gen college students get eight figures of series A funding for their brilliant idea. <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't happen very often. And she credits being part of the Interact Founder Focus Program that introduced her to investors, and also she was able to pitch female venture investors. A lot of the investors who ended up getting excited about Otter were women and moms, and in order to increase the funding that goes to women founders, Helen believes we need to have more women on the other side of the table. Because I am generally extremely critical of venture capital and the old boys venture capital club, I asked her what was the dumbest question an investor ever asked her. She paused diplomatically and said, the question that came up more often than it should have from men was, is childcare really that much of a problem? I think I got asked that a lot by people who just clearly had never had to think about childcare. I think that question is really hard to overcome, right? If somebody's not bought into the idea that childcare is broken. Right, Helen. (laughs) So after raising capital, Helen decided to take the company 
offline. She hired people from the trust and safety team at Airbnb to build out their background check process and go over safety checklists and rigorous matching questions for families seeking and offering care. I wanted to build something that I could stand behind as a mom and also something that met my standards for my own kids, Helen says. So we spent a lot of time thinking about how to be very responsive, but also how to be proactive. While Helen claims their standards are more rigorous than some state licensing requirements, I do want to point out that Otter caregivers aren't licensed daycare and, you know, that are visited by state inspectors. I do think it's important for parents to do their own due diligence as they would for any care provider if they decide to use this service. Otter just relaunched in the Santa Clarita neighborhood in LA and in San Francisco. Caregivers can set their own rates and both the seeker and giver pay small percentage fees to the platform. The company says the average caregiver earns $600 a week on the platform. The reason I think Otter is special is one, it better connects us with parents in our communities, which builds up invaluable networks of support. Two, it's flexible, helping parents with non-traditional schedules in a way that has been largely ignored by traditional daycare. Three, it legitimizes the care work parents do as being valuable and worth paying for. Four, it keeps a fair wage for care in the community and goes directly to support other families. And five, I can totally imagine using this. I asked her to consider opening one of her next markets in Durham, North Carolina, and she said she'd look into it. (laughs) So Helen is now 26 and the single mom of twin preschoolers. No, Otter is not going to single-handedly fix all that's broken about our childcare system. Only significant government money is going to do that. But talking with her gives me a flutter of hope about what's possible when we listen to mothers and give mothers the resources they need to tackle some of the country's biggest problems. She may have found a lucrative market to make those VC investors happy, but I think her background and perspective makes her the type of unicorn the world needs more of. Now I'm going to let you listen to an excerpt from my conversation with Helen so you can hear some of her amazing personal story in her own words. Okay, I know we're at time. If you have time to tell me about the twin thing, I'm just really nosy. Okay. Ask away. (laughs) Okay. So you, so you hear stories about people not knowing they're pregnant and like for a long time. So like, tell me like, what led you like to the doctor when you realized, wait, you know how babies are made? I do. I, I, I have now had cervical cancer five times, but before oh I found gosh. out I was pregnant, I'd had it three times. And oh. I was told from when I was a teenager that I would never be able to get pregnant and never mind carry a pregnancy to term. Basically like but the idea was if I got pregnant, I would probably miscarry within the first trimester. And so pregnancy was not at all on my radar. Uh, in retrospect, got pregnant around March of 2018. And sometime in late March, I had a drink and had like the worst hangover of my life the next day and decided that this must be what getting old was. And so I stopped drinking. <laughs> that was like really the only major kind of physical adjustment that I that I had to go through. And then early September um, of 2018, 
I started gaining weight a little, but I was going through a startup accelerator for my first company. And so I had a friend, we were getting ready to go out one night and I was like, oh, you know, these pants are kind of snug. And she was like, I mean, we were going through an accelerator, we're eating a lot of pizza, like whatever. And then a couple of days later, I was like, you know, this is a little strange. So I'm just, I'm just going to take a pregnancy test to be sure. And it was like a two minute rapid response test. And I like peed on the stick and it was like, you were pregnant. (laughs) There was no waiting. It was like developed immediately. And I was like, oh no. And so that's how I ended up in a doctor's office, but did not think that I would be that far along. I think I, I definitely knew I was pregnant, but did not think that I would be that far along. And yeah, I walked into a doctor's office and about four hours later, a team of 10 doctors uh, and nurses, and just associated healthcare professionals walked into the room. And I had spent time on medical teams or shadowing surgeons. Mm-hmm. And I knew that when 10 people come into a room, it means that you're the teaching moment, like the patient (laughs) is the teaching moment. And so I had this moment of like, oh no, this is going to be a doozy. And the resident told me that she had two pieces of news. So first she said that I was 29 weeks pregnant and then I started crying. And then she said, and it's a twin pregnancy. And then I think I just, I I lost it. It was really, really stunning. But yeah, my kids were born six weeks later, born at 35 weeks and they were preemies. And so they spent some time in the NICU and yeah, it was definitely a a very, very wild journey into parenthood, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. They're my favorite people. So can't I... imagine life without them. <laughs> oh my God. So, so I feel like there's so many, like, so the fact that you, so you probably hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about being a biological mom since you, you know, had been told for your a long time that that was not gonna be a possibility for you were you ever considering motherhood in other ways or it just wasn't on your radar wasn't on my radar yeah yeah I fully (laughs) when I was a teenager was like I guess motherhood is not going to be for me I at some point vaguely considered whether I would want to adopt children kind of decided that probably wasn't in the cards and yeah never had that strong a desire to become a parent which is pretty taboo to say now that I'm a mom, but I definitely didn't have a desire to be a parent before I found out I was pregnant. And then after that, I think my life got shuffled and it became all about making sure that my kids could have a smooth landing as possible into being outside of the womb. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then also just, yeah, shuffled everything. Also, I'm just like, I feel like the physical, like my twin pregnancy, I mean, I I have an older kid, so I have been Mm -hmm. through pregnancy before, but I had like such dramatic morning sickness. I showed really early, like everything was like so dramatic for me. So I'm like the whole, like, just feeling like you ate too much pizza. (laughs) Like it's just like so radically different from my experience, which is amazing. It just shows you like how incredibly different the human body is. Okay. On to recommendations. What I'm listening to is an episode of the daily, which features reporting from Mexico, which was incredibly thought-provoking about the abortion landscape there and what the U.S. and American activists should learn about. What I'm listening to is an episode of The Daily featuring fantastic reporting from Mexico about the abortion landscape and what the U.S. should learn from it. And I was especially interested to learn how they sort of built this extra legal abortion support services really around abortion pills and especially in places where surgical abortions were extremely hard to get for many people in Mexico. So I highly recommend that episode and I've linked to all that in the show notes. Also a call out, if you have been negatively impacted by the formula crisis, especially if you have a baby with special medical needs, is adopted, or you are lower income or a WIC recipient, 
I would love to hear from you for an important project I'm helping with to get these stories heard. So just email me at katherine.goldstein at gmail.com. And finally, I also want to give a historic shout out to our second Double Shift episode ever called The Night Shift in Sin City, which was all about a 24-hour child care center in Las Vegas, which tapped on many of the themes that Otter is also trying to address in terms of supporting parents with non-traditional schedules. If you are newer to the double shift and has never and have never gone back and listened to our archive, I'm linking to that show in the show notes and I hope you'll check it out. It was made back in 2018 but is still highly 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 relevant to childcare crisis today. And finally, I have a rare Insta recommendation. I am not spending a ton of time on Instagram for many reasons, but I want to give a shout out to the account Babies After 35, which is this great account and resource run by a maternal fetal medicine specialist, Dr. Shannon Clark. It is a no-nonsense, science-based account and is really just doing the Lord's work by tackling misinformation aimed at pregnant people. There's a lot of it on Instagram and TikTok. So... She also is a twin mom, so I immediately love her. And she also has an unconventional personal story, different but similar to, in some ways, to Helen Mayer. She is also first in her family to go to college. So check out Babies After 35, also linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the audio newsletter, for being a member. And there is more wonderful member benefits to come. And if you like this audio newsletter, let me know. I'm hoping people are enjoying it. Thank you so much.